Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, my parents, uh, my dad got a new job and uh, moved us from St. Louis, Missouri to St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, new, new neighborhood, new friends, new climate, looked kind of like what we see outside a little bit, but, um, but it was a whole new experience. And, and I remember very vividly uh, the first day of school at my new school. Uh, See, it was when I was in sixth grade and we had half of the day and I was meeting all of these people and I was quickly identified as the new kid. You ever been there before where you show up in a new school, right? And, and so I'm the new kid in this school and academics wasn't really my thing. And, and so I was just kind of trying to not be noticed, but then it came to recess and and all of the kids got out there and they were forming teams to play flag football. And I remember very vividly that there were uh, two captains. If you've seen this before, maybe you've experienced this, right? Where they start picking who's going to be on their team. Uh, and so they started going down the line. And here I was, the new kid. Nobody knew who I was. And I was, of course, the last kid chosen. Maybe more like... Well, you get him because we don't know who he is. And so that day happened, first day of school, and Jake Oberly was the quarterback, still friend to this day for me, and, and I balled out. I was catching passes all over the place. I think I like sprained my ankle a little bit because I was trying really hard, all this sorts of stuff. And right now you might think I'm kind of pathetic for remembering that. But if you've been in that situation before, you want to prove everybody wrong, right? Because the next day, the second day of school, we go outside for recess and I'm the first one that's chosen. Again, you're like, man, this guy has got some things he's got to work through. But what it gets me thinking about is this, is that, that when we think about being chosen, I think we go to these like two extremes. On one side, we think that we're chosen by charity. It's more of a, I get this person or that somebody's doing something nice for me, so I'm chosen because they're doing a nice thing for me. Or we think that I'm chosen because I've earned it, right? That like, well, now they see who I am and therefore I am chosen, that I've actually earned that choosing. And what's kind of interesting to me as I was thinking about this is that it's not just found on the recess field in St. Paul, Minnesota. I see this dynamic happening in our lives all the time. I mean, we think that we are chosen because we have the right resume, or we know the right people, or I have the right experience, or I've gone through some difficult things to be chosen. We think that our choosing happens because we've earned it. Or on the other side, we're chosen, so we think just because we're charity, because somebody's trying to do something nice for us. 
Uh, we invited you over because we knew that you didn't have anything to do tonight. <laughs> and, and today, I want you to hear this. What God says about you and me is he says that you are chosen. And I want to be very clear that there will be two extremes that we might run to. We might think that we're chosen because we have earned it. Or we think that we're chosen because we're some kind of charity project. I want to tell you right now that that's not what God is saying when he says that I've chosen you. Amen? Instead, what he is doing is he chooses us to be a part of a new family that has nothing to do with what we've done and has everything to do with how great a length that he will go for you and me. And I want you to see this because in Psalm 139, we just read this long psalm, but it's so beautiful. And I want to give you four reasons here today why God's choosing of you is the best news that you can absolutely hear. Because it is truly good news that God has chosen you. The first one here looking at this psalm is that God is all seen. You notice these words from David here in Psalm 139. He says this in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 3. O Lord, you have searched me, you and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. What the psalmist is saying here, David is pointing out, is that God sees everything. There's nothing that is foreign to him. He sees everything that is going on. And that might hit you in one of two ways here today. Maybe the first way, the positive way, let's start there, is that we think that there have been times where we feel like we're overlooked. Where there's been times where we've been uh, overlooked for a position or a job or somebody else was given that and we think, well, if only they saw me, if only they really knew who I was, that yeah, my resume might not stack up against the other person, but, but I have the work ethic. And I want you to hear today that God sees you. You hear that? God sees you. He sees everything. But the negative side to that is that, that God sees everything. Because <laughs> the other way that might hit you today is like, oh no. You mean God sees really everything? Yeah, he does. In fact, for the psalmist, this also kind of was intimidating. He says that in verse six, he says simply that this is too wonderful for me. And so what the psalmist David goes on to say in, in verse 7, he says, where shall I go to, to go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? What David is saying is, is there a place that I can go to that runs away from your presence? Which leads to the second beautiful truth about our God and why this choosing of you is the best news that you can hear is that God is all present. He's everywhere. Notice 
the psalmist's words here. He says in verses eight through 10, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What David is saying is that at the highest point that I know of, known as heaven or the lowest of low, Sheol, God, you are there. In fact, for him, one of the most intimidating places would have been the sea, the ocean. And he says, even in the midst of the ocean and the seas, God, you are there. I don't know if you saw this on the news this last week, but there was this incredible thing that happened this last week. Did anybody see this about uh, the Mars landing that NASA did? Yeah, this was insane. If you don't know... uh, In July, July 30th of this last summer, NASA uh, finally put together this project where they launched out, appropriately titled, this rover that's known as Perseverance. That's literally the name of the mission, Perseverance. And on July 30th, we launched this ship out to Mars to go and explore Mars. It landed this last week on Thursday. Think about that for a second. July 30th, we put it into space. It's February. That's 290 million miles that this thing has traveled out to Mars, just the planet that's right next to us. And and I want you to hear this. What we believe is that our God is present everywhere. To put this in a modern sense, if David were to rewrite this psalm, he'd be saying, even if we were to go out to Mars, God, your presence is there. Think about that. There's no place that our God isn't. No place that is foreign to him. Which leads to the third reason that that David points out that God's choosing of you is the best news that you can hear because God is all creative. See, you'll find in, in, in this psalm in particular, David points to the stars and he says, look at the vastness of what God has created and how beautiful all of creation is. But he says, you don't even have to just look up to the stars, you can look at how you are created, to see the beauty of what our God has done. Notice this in verses 13 and 14. He says, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. It's kind of interesting to think about Uh, I'm no scientist or doctor by any means, but I know that that certainly the intricacies of the human body bring mystery and wonder in us as human beings. I mean, we're still figuring out things of how our bodies operate and work all the time. Just to give you a couple little stats here, did you know that your heart beats 100,000 times a day? It's working constantly beating. And if it's not beating, you're dead. (laughs) Did you know that your body 
produces enough saliva to fill a bathtub twice in a year. That's gross, right? Some of y'all are like, man, I really am feeling that right now. I mean, think about this. This is the mystery and wonder of our all-creative God. Not only in the fact that he sees all and that he's present everywhere, but that in his creation, we're blown away in his bigness, yet also in the intricacies and the simple of how and complex of how he works. And, and David points out here, at the very end of the psalm, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Te- try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me, lead me in the way everlasting. What David is saying is that, God, you are all seen, that you are all present, that you are all creative, and God, you are all just, and lead me in that way. Search my heart, God. See me and lead me in the way that I am created to go. See, I think what becomes dangerous is when we hear that God has chosen us. We, we think it's because we've earned it. But as David points out in Psalm 139, it, it, like you and me, we get intimidated by the fact that he has known everything and is present everywhere. But we also might think, well, then that just makes me a charity case, that God just does something out of his abundance. But I need you to know that God's choosing of you was not just some decision that he made someday. It was him sending his son, Jesus, into this world, taking on flesh so that our choosing was done by him, a gift that he gave to us, and it creates a new family for us. That by Jesus' death and resurrection, God declares that those who trust and believe in me are chosen. You are a part of my family. This is good news. That I didn't earn it. And I'm not some charity case out of abundance. It cost God his life. It cost him something. And as a result, it has me looking at God's choosing of me in a new and more beautiful way. Uh, this last week, I had a, uh, a parenting moment that I'd love to share here. Um, <clears throat> we have this rule in our household, in the McGinley household, that was actually passed down from my parents because um, I grew up in the generation of Nintendo and video games and all that sorts of stuff. And, uh, and my parents always had this rule that if you wanted to play on the like Nintendo or electronics, you always had to ask for permission before playing. And so um, that's a rule that we've carried over into our household. And my son, Malachi, he has a Nintendo Switch. 
And uh, for him during this season in time where he's you know, physically distanced from a lot of his friends, this is a way that he stays connected with friends and does all kinds of games and just the Nintendo Switch is pretty cool. I've played it a couple times, all right? And, um, and so uh, we, we were just uh, hanging out, Gretchen and I, this was actually on uh, Valentine's Day and uh, we hadn't seen Malachi for a while. And Gretchen goes, uh, "Hey, hey, do you do you know where where Malachi is?" And I was like, "I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what he's up to." So, um, so I thought I heard him, and I kind of like crept up to the room, you know, and then just kind of listened in for a second. And then I barged in, and and there he was, with his headset on, playing his switch. And I had asked Gretchen, I was like did you say that he could play the game? And she was like, I didn't say it. And, and when I barged in on, on him, he just looked at me right away and he goes, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he knew. So I snatched that switch. <laughs> I took it into the room. I said, Gretchen, we're throwing this thing away. And as my wife so beautifully does, she was like, let's think about this for a little bit, you know? <laughs> a month, he's not gonna talk to his friends. It's his friends that are the problem. And, and, and I was heated, I was livid, because I was upset that my son couldn't come to me, had betrayed me, felt like he was hiding something from me. And, and it was Valentine's Day, and it was later in the day, and we had plans to go out that night, and so, uh, so we had a babysitter that was watching the kids, and. And as we were all dressed up and ready to go, Malachi came up to, to me and he had tears in his eyes. He knew I was upset, I was mad. And, uh, and as he looked at me, he just said, Dad, I'm so sorry. And it was in that moment that I just had the ability as a parent to remind him of a couple of things. Malachi, I, I love you not because you have earned my love. You've proven that once again here today. <laughs> Correction is not a time for sarcasm, I've learned. <laughs> Son, I love you not because you've earned it. And I also love you because you're not a charity project. Your family. You're our family. And I want you to hear here today that this is the image that we get when we talk about being chosen by God. That we're family. It, John said it this way in 1 John 3. He says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us children. The Father there is God the Father. And I don't know what your history is. I don't know what family drama you come from. We probably all bring baggage that's bigger than a kid playing on a switch, all right? I get it. It can be tough to hear this. But I want you to hear that our Father loves us, that he calls us children, and that we are. We're part of a better family. And I love this. He says, but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. What John is saying here is that we don't know about the goodness of our God. 
We need to be reminded that our God is all-seeing, that our God is all-present, that our God is all-creative, that our God is all-just. And in light of all of that, he still chooses you and me. Amen? And this is good news. This is the most beautiful news that you and I can hear. Because of what Jesus has done. Because of his death and resurrection. And the good news is that we as a family get to look, live, and love more like our heavenly father. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for for all that you do, the choosing that you have, have done. And Lord, I certainly am aware that, that we can walk away from that, that we can choose other things instead of you. I pray, God, today that we would not only be reminded, but we would live out that choosing, that because of what you have done, Lord, not anything that we earned, and not because we're some charity project, but because of the family that you have created. I pray, God, that that would have us look at ourselves differently, that that would have us look at others differently, and especially, Lord, that, that we would point people more back to you, the Father who's gone the great lengths to choose us, to bring us in the family. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.